Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. If you lived your life more with the attitude of I wonder instead of I have to or I want to, but I wonder what I could do if I did this. And I think it's this powerful place of adopting the mindset that scientists use um, and they they go in with a thesis of an idea and they're going to go and prove it in the lab and I think that on the field of play I talk about this uh, concept of the field of play all the time with my clients I'm like you know like the word potential I think it's one of those bullshit words out there and it's the, it's the hallmark of how I know someone isn't very good at being a good performance coach or advisor is when they use potential because I don't, it's, it's literally a word that's not allowed to be used in my practice at all. Like when someone says, oh, my kid has so much more potential. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. What's his performance on the field of play? Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, oh, my business has more potential. No, it doesn't because if it did, then it would be producing that. Exactly. So stop getting it's, – it's the crutch that average people use to describe their mediocre results. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Todd, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I am honored to be on this phenomenally successful podcast. Well, I am really thrilled to have you here because uh, I I came across your work via our our mutual friend, Dan Martell. And I figured if Dan Martell hired you as a performance coach, I was like, okay, Dan is doing extremely well. The only kind of people he would hire to work with are people who know what the hell they're talking about. So uh, on that note, uh, I want to start by asking you, what extracurricular activities did you participate in as a kid? And what did those acti- what impact did those activities have on what you've ended up doing with your life? Um, okay, well, you're going to be the first person that I think I admit some of these things to. So I've been um, known to do that to people. <laughs> I, I mean, most people know me. People who know me know me because of my sports background, working with like athletes for the last 20 years. So obviously, sports is a huge part of my background. Now, I'm a. I grew up on a. Even though I live here in New York City, I grew up on a really big farm in Western Canada. Um, in Alberta. And, uh, so sports is a big part of our farming community, but I'll tell you two other hobbies. One is, I don't know if you remember, do you have, do do you have any sisters at all? I do. You do. So, um, uh, my sister back in the 1980s was an avid reader of YM and teen beat magazine. So I remember those. uh, And, and back then, if you flip nearer to the back of that magazine, they always had this caricature of a turtle 
And it was this, hey, draw this turtle and send it in to see if you win this art contest. And what it was was actually lead generation for what is now known as the Art Institute. And uh, back then it was the Minneapolis Art Institute. Anyways, I was bored one day on the farm and so I drew it out because my my family is pretty creative on my mom's side. Uh, my my papa was a famous potter and um, on, on different potteries. And so I sent it in and I actually won the contest. So I won this um, art scholarship from the Art Institute. And then so that was one of my hobbies. And then the other one was I used to, I used to compete in singing competitions until I was about 14. Mm. So randomly I did singing and um, uh, cartooning. Wow. So what was the impact of those things on your interest in performance of all things? Um, I, all of those, at the end of the day, if you want to be great at them, take a tremendous amount of self-discipline and just practice and work. And I never became great at either of those two <laughs> things. Um, but I'm, I'm good enough to appreciate those that have done it um, and and really respect the amount of hard work they've they put into it. I think where it's all also probably helped me is I'm a big, it took me a little while to figure this out. Um, and it wasn't after until I found out that I had dyslexia when I was about 21 after a car accident that it started to make sense as to why I struggled with reading so much, just conceptually how my brain works. I'm far more, um, I'm far more adept at picking up sort of models in my own head, like circles, triangles, and squares. And, and if there's anything that I'm good at when it comes to working with people, you know, in the consulting and the coaching and advising that I do, I'm good at breaking stuff down into, you know, essentially really good models, which, you know, leverages that kind of art background that I had before. But it kind of, it started to make sense in my head as to why I pursued those passions more than I did, you know, reading and writing in some ways. You know, you are probably, I would say, if I can count off the top of my head, probably the fourth or fifth person who I have interviewed who has brought up dyslexia and how dyslexia, what, which on the surface seemed to be an advantage, gave them, or a disadvantage, almost gave them a disproportionate, disproportionate advantage in terms of career success. And so I, I'm curious how we uncover disproportionate advantages in our own lives. How do we uncover them? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can go out seeking to uncover them. I sure. think that they unfold and f- unfold. And I think, I think where people would go wrong is um, even in the programs that I have, I talk about the importance of looking at your game film. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, like my background is sports. Um, even though I do a lot of advising in the, in the business world now, um, you know, one of the big parts of, working with athletes is we're always looking at your past performance and trying to glean insights from that. And yet it's, it often, it's one of the few, I guess, industries where it stops or it, it, that it takes place in people in business. They talk about doing a SWOT analysis and things like that, but I'm telling you there's literally maybe 0.01% of the business population that even does those things. Mm -hmm. And, and yet there's a tremendous amount of power in it. So I don't think you can uncover your, um, those parts of you that would be perceived as weaknesses, but are really strengths unless you do, you know, some reflection and you do have some sort of rhythm in your life where you, you know, consistently look at your own game film because then you can start to, you know, spot those little dots that start to create some sort of picture as to who you are. Um, and, and I think the other way that you spot them is, is really through being around other 
really smart people, whether it's a mentor or a coach or an advisor or someone, um, you know, like I got, I, I got mine pointed out because I had to take a diagnostic test after I had this head injury. Um, you know, so that was a, in some ways a mentor, uh, cause it was a psychologist or psychiatrist that pointed it out. So, um, I think that, I don't know about you, but I mean, any of the really big wins I've happened in my, that have happened in my life yeah. have come out of having really great people around me. Yeah, I, I, I would say that's incredibly true. I mean, every, everything I've accomplished, I always say, you know, uh, like anything of great significance is always achieved with the help of other people. Yeah, yeah. And but uh, having said that, though, yeah. I was terrible at being coached until, <laughs> until probably my mid twenties when one of my one of my mentors for thirteen years until he passed away was Jim Rohn, uh-huh. and who a lot of people in the I guess personal development or business philosophy world would, would know who he is. And uh, I mean, he was a giant really in the 20th century yeah. and he's the one who sort of dragged me over the coals, kicking and screaming and telling me that, listen, kid, like you don't know it all. So, you know, buck up. Cause I'm going to show you the real way that this thing works. So, uh-huh. well, well, I, I do want to spend a bit of time talking about that, but I want to ask you one other thing, you know, you mentioned looking at past performance and I heard this in a Dan Kennedy seminar that I was just watching on YouTube um, where he said, you know, uh, across all disciplines, minus any other changes, measurement alone will improve performance. And what's interesting is I've heard that echoed in different sentiments multiple times. Fred Wilson said it on his blog, so, and it struck me so much that I quoted it in my book. He said, if you looked at the habits of the most successful people, he said it, he's seen it in the companies that he invests in, he's seen it in himself, he's seen it in other people, tracking and measuring ends up yeah. being one of those things. Um, I, what, I, I'm just curious kind of, you know, what you'd have to say about that and maybe where somebody might start with something like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like literally the baseline part of everything that I do. I mean, performance, performance in anything in life isn't real true high performance unless you can track it against some sort of number. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that 99% of, and I'm throwing out percentages, but really it's just, I think a lot of people are scared of looking at their numbers in their life. Um, and so where do you start? Um, well, it helps to know the context of whatever space you're living in and existing inside of. So in the if you're running an online business, what are those numbers that are most important? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the classic 80-20. What's the 20% that moves the 80% of the needle? Then track those numbers. Um, you know, when I first started out, building my businesses 20 years ago, it was speaking was the only marketing metric I cared about. Mm-hmm. It was how many speeches have I done this month? Because my entire revenue model could be predicted based on the number of speeches I did. So I ran a very simple and elegant business and, you know, scaled up into multiple millions of dollars simply by doing one thing. And yet most people go out and do nowadays, they're doing 36 different marketing things thinking mm-hmm. that because I'm diversified, I'm going to be stronger. No, you're not. You're going to be exceptionally weak. Yeah. Um, you know, no, no athlete in the Olympics right now, you know, cause we're kind of recording this during the Olympics. Um, none of my clients that are in there competing right now, competing in track and field, swimming, um, boxing, like the, no, you pick your discipline, right? So, well, we'll, we'll come back to this. So, because I, I want to really do a deep dive into performance and, and a whole bunch of things about it. But I want to ask you about the relationship with Jim Rohn. Um, you know, one, I mean, how in the world did you find somebody like that as a mentor? Um, and what are the unexpected things that maybe you know when we're hearing that 
we would not imagine that relationship to be like because you know some people think oh the dream mentor and mm-hmm. i got a, a, a glimpse at tony robbins i'm not your guru i'm like wow i was like imagine working one-on-one with that guy yeah um, it doesn't sound like it would be this you know walk in the park and i can tell you from my own mentors it was never a walk in the park there are moments no. when it was actually like i hate this person yeah yeah um so uh start off with how we met um i think if there's a if there's a principle or a lesson to pull out of it is at when you're young, make sure you say yes to a lot of things. And what how it came about was my uncle was getting an award in Canada for construction person of the year, and I was really close with my uncle at the time, still still am. But um, he invited me to come with him as his guest, and so I sat at the head table with him and. I start chatting with this guy next to me and now I had just won an award for being restaurant manager of the year in the company that I worked in. I was like 21 at the time. And so, you know, this, he's asking me all these questions, this person next to me and, you know, asking me things like no one had ever really asked me before, you know, like the direction of my life and what my vision was and what I wanted to, you know, how I wanted to leverage this award. And, and I was telling him about how I wanted to get into, you know, speaking and really, um, consulting and coaching people on hospitality. Cause that was kind of, that was my skill that I'd really honed at that time. Um, even though I was 21, I was, I was really good at it. And so after, you know, cause every time I tried to like turn the question or conversation back to him, he would just flip it right back around onto me. And anyways, then I said, Oh, what are you, what award are you getting here tonight? And he said, Oh, I'm actually the keynote speaker. And that was Jim obviously. And, and then literally right after he said that he got introduced to come on stage and I sat there for the next 56 minutes, just absolutely mesmerized by the linguistic dance that he made on in front of that podium. And I'd never heard anyone, you know, put words together that way that made just this philosophical sense and he sat back down and I just I turned to him and I said I want to be able to do that someday and um, so we we chatted a little bit more and then he gave me three things to go and do when I got back home because this was in Banff Canada at the time uh, beautiful mountain area and so this was a Saturday night so I took those three things and by it was just before one o'clock in the afternoon on the Monday I called him back and said, uh, hey, Jim, this is Todd Herman. Um, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm the guy that sat next to you for like five hours at the banquet on Saturday night. And he, I said, you know, I, I did those three things that you asked, and so now what do I do? And uh, anyways, he was still traveling at the time, so he called me back the next day. He's like, all right, you're officially the only person who's ever done that. And, um, now, he didn't say I'm going to mentor you. He said, now go do this and this. And then just over the course of, it was probably about 45 days, then it really actually started to turn into this mentorship type thing. And when I got back, because I didn't know who Jim Rohn was, Uh when I got back to um, Edmonton, Alberta, where I was living at the time, I went to the library, and because this was before really even, you know, the internet, this is 97. I mean, even though it was around, not everyone's stuff was online back then. Sure. And so I went to the internet or the library and I found all these books on tape on from Jim Rohn and his books and started devouring this guy. And I was like, okay, well, I completely lucked out because this guy is unbelievable. And so that's really, that sort of um, happened over the course of, you know, 13 years. And, you know, to get to your question about, you know, was it easy or was it great or no, it was <laughs> challenging. Um, and especially in the beginning, it was challenging in that I never felt like I belonged or should be around the guy. I just, you know, I just lacked the confidence. And so I, 
you know, in the beginning, I wasn't as truthful with them as possible. Like he would ask me, Hey, did you do this and this? And then I would say, yeah, I did all those things. And so if I had have done all those things, the success that I should be getting financially should have been way higher than what I was. Cause then after about three to four months, he said, he's like, okay, wait a second. Why are you, why are you telling, telling me about these financial issues that you're having right now? Because you've been telling me over the last three months that you've been doing X, Y, and Z. And there's absolutely no way a human being cannot be getting any financial results um, in their business. If you've said you've been, if you've truly been doing them. And I said, and then I basically came clean with them and you know, he kind of gave, gave me the right act a little bit. He was he was a good coach, um, but he read me the riot act on. Listen, truthful honesty is the only place where I can help you. You can't tell me that you're doing X when you're doing Y because I'm going to be giving you the advice based on what X is and where you're at. And and so, anyways, we broke through a bunch of those barriers. But I mean, in the beginning, I had to send him recordings of my speeches that I was doing, and then he would you know fire them back with. You know, okay, well, that was terrible. Um, you're talking in way too many. Um, what was the word? Uh, yeah, you're using way too many cliches, and you're, you're you're speaking in proclamations. And what he meant by that was, so if I'm standing on stage and I'm talking to people about the importance of mental toughness, uh-huh. well, of course I'm going to talk about the importance of mental toughness because I'm the guy who's selling mental toughness. You know, the one thing that he taught me that was really helpful was. Instead, use other people's words who the audience already respects to declare the importance of mental toughness. So an example would be, you know, I don't know how many of you in the audience saw the um, uh, press conference with Michael Jordan the other day. But in it, I thought he said something really smart. He said, the reason I'm twice as good as everyone else on that basketball court is because I spend more time working on the six inches between my ears than everyone else does spend time on the court. Wow. And, and, you know, so just things like that, it got me away from saying, Todd says this is important and Todd says that important, that's important. And, you know, it kind of brought together other stars on stage with you. It's a very easy, simple thing to use um, to kind of change the persuasiveness of your argument. But um, anyways, no, he was, he was really, he was hard on me, mm-hmm. um, but that's what I wanted and that's what I needed. Yeah. You know, to me, one of the most interesting parts of the the story was that you said you, when you when you said you went and did those three things, he said nobody ever does that. Uh, and you know, it's not that I don't find that hard to believe. Like I, I absolutely believe that. I'm just curious why that is. Um, I don't I don't know either. Um, I think that he has one of the best answers to that out there in one of his speeches when he talks about you know when the farmer goes out to the field he plants his seeds and um you know i know that well being a farm kid and when he goes out you know a week later um or a month later or two months later when the seeds have started to come through and start to bear fruit you know there are some seeds that will produce 30 percent. there are some seeds that will produce 70 percent, and there are some seeds that will produce 100 percent. the mistake you would make is to go up to the 30 percent seed and yell and scream and try to coach it to being 100 percent seed here's the reality some seeds are just 30% producers. That's it. And I think that's the case in life. For as much as I would like to think that I could go and help all of humanity to change their life and become better performers, I just don't think that some people have it in them. That's, that's, that may be harsh to some, 
but from a person who's been in this world for 20 years mm-hmm. and I've crawled inside of people's heads, the six inches between them and, you know, mucked around, there are just some people who lack the ambition, who lack the ambition, uh, motivation in life to do anything with what they've been given. Wow. Okay. So that, that raises so many questions. So I, now I, I really, I think I want to spend the rest of our time doing a really sort of deep dive into all elements of performance based on sort of the questions that I was left with after watching your 90 day year video series. Um, you know, the first place I want to start just based on what you said, you know, recently I had um, a guy named Michael Gervais here. You may probably be familiar with his work given yep. that you guys do similar work. And one of the things that Michael said to me, he said, people, when they come to me, he said, they're not people who need motivation. He said, yep. they're already excellent at what they do. Yeah. And my guess is those are exactly the types of people that you attract as well. Exactly. Okay. So my guess is also in that case, there are probably a lot of people who have a gap. Despite everything that I've accomplished, I always feel there is a gap between where I am and where I want to be. I just told you that I had a book come out in my mind. I'm like, I'm not done. You know, it was just business as usual the next morning. It's like nothing changed. Yeah. Um, You know, yeah, I, I get paid a little more, but it made me think, okay, well, what is it that causes this aspiration gap? Like I'm in this place. I know all these things that I've read in books about goal setting and all this other stuff. So I want to start dispelling myths about performance because I get to talk to you. So, um, what is, what is responsible for that gap? Like why do so many people live in this space between who they are and who they ultimately want to be? Because life is this constant unfolding. It's this peeling of the, the this never-ending onion. Because once you get to that that plateau, you just wrote the book and you launched it. Mm-hmm. it. Now you're standing on top of a place that you've never been before. And you can see things in a completely different way. And what you see is another gap. Mm-hmm. Another gap in where you are and where you would like to go. And because you're an achiever type and because you're someone who's just, I'm, I'm guessing that you're someone who probably lives life with a lot of curiosity and, and that question in your head starts rattling around and it might not come in this form, but it's just rattling around going, I wonder what else I can do. And I, that's a, the, 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 the two word phrase, I wonder if there's one thing that people can pull out of this, this interview, it's that if you lived your life more with the attitude of, I wonder instead of I have to or I want to but I wonder what I could do if I did this and I think it's this powerful place of adopting the mindset that scientists use um, and they they go in with a thesis of an idea and they're going to go and prove it in the lab and I think that on the field of play, I talk about this uh, concept of the field of play all the time with my clients. I'm like, you know, like the word potential. I think it's one of those bullshit words out there. And it's the, it's the hallmark of how I know someone is very good at being a good performance coach or advisor is when they use potential. Because I, it's, it's literally a word that's not allowed to be used in my practice at all. Like when someone says, oh, my kid has so much more potential. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. What's his performance on the field of play? Just like, you know, oh, my business has more potential. No, it doesn't because if it did, then it would be producing that. So stop getting it's, – it's the crutch that average people use to describe their mediocre results. And that's a very black and white way to look at things. And it's a very empowering way to look at things. Like I think that world's becoming incredibly soft. And, um, and it's, it just doesn't do people any good. 
and the self-help world is doing a great job of just softening up the underbelly of people even that much more, which is why I never attract those people. I never, I mean, you know, you're going to step into my world and I'm going to throw you inside of a washing machine just like Jim Rohn did. And you're going to, you're going to come out cleaner than you were before and we're going to subtract and eliminate a lot of the crap that shouldn't be there, but you're going to get banged up and you should, you should get banged up a little bit because that friction is where, um, change happens. So I don't know, like when, um, when it comes to really changing people's mindset, I love, I love the kind of mentality that scientists take into the lab of, I wonder, and let's go prove this thing and see what happens. And that's the nature with you. Like you're going to, you're going to reach another plateau uh-huh. and cause you just, you climbed the cliff and I'll bet you that last three weeks of writing your book was the hardest part. Yeah, I would say so. That was, yeah. uh, that was the, yeah. And that, that final stretch, I was like, when the hell is this damn thing going to be over? Yeah. And that's the nature of everything. The, the final, the final 10 seconds of the 200 meter freestyle is the hardest. Yeah. That's when most of them want to vomit is right then and there. And you know, it's the case in almost everything in life. You know, it makes me think of, of a quote that I mentioned in my book that I heard Ed Helms, the actor say when he was being interviewed by this photographer he said, life is a series of false horizons. Mm hmm. Um, and that, you know, that always stayed with me because I thought about that. It's like, wow, you know, when you reach the, the level of success that he has and he sees it that way, it's telling. You're kind of like, oh, okay, there's not going to be this moment when you just feel like you're done. No, because the moment is all the time. Yeah. Like that's – it's this – if there's one thing that I tr- that I have to do really um, focus a lot of time on with, with athletes because it's an outcome-driven world in the, in the athletics world, right? Mm-hmm. Like – Everyone focuses the spotlight on the Olympics, which is an outcome moment, uh, or they focus the spotlight even that much more intensely on the 100-meter dash and the, and the finish line. But what everyone doesn't realize, the real difference between those people who are there and the average people sitting around watching them is that they fall in love with the process and practice. Mm-hmm. And so if a person can never get engaged with really enjoying and seeing that the difference between you know, greatness and people who are just good is you've, you've got to find a way to really enjoy the, the process and the process driven person is, is the difference between the Jerry Rice's of the world and the people who wash out of the NFL within a couple of years. Cause you can't go, it's hard for people to go and train with Jerry Rice cause he will just outwork them. Yeah. Cause he knows that that's the difference. Hmm. Okay. Um, I want to start digging into some of the things that I heard uh, in that video series about sort of goal setting affirmations. I know you, you talked uh, a bit with yeah. Dan about this as well, because I, you know, and I, I've harped on this partially because I've kind of seen the, the, the byproduct of it, you know, what I call inspiration and hokey new age bullshit, uh, yeah. you know, like crystals and candles and chanting mantras and expecting, you know, money to fall from the sky and it doesn't. And you're like, well, that's shocking, you know, and, and, you know, more and more as I dig it apart, I'm not surprised that that's not, you know, yeah. uh, that that doesn't seem to be the case. And I, I think often, you know, you see people who have all those things who happen to be wealthy and you think, oh, okay, that's the, you you mix up causation and correlation. Yeah. Um, so I want to, one, I want to talk about that um, and hear what you have to say about that. Um, the other is, you know, this idea of a 90 day time frame, and then why is it that uh, all this new age nonsense doesn't work and why do so many people think it does? Well, because I think most people just want the easy way out, no, right? That's you know, it's, it's easier to just to be convinced by the idea that, oh, 
if I just sit and say a bunch of things to myself, then then good things happen because that completely takes the onus off of me of possibly going out there and putting myself into uncomfortable positions of asking other people for the thing that I truly want or need or whatever the case is. And that somehow people are going to, because I'm saying this, that the power of the universe is going to draw and attract to me the, the like-minded individuals who are on the same polarity as myself and, you know, like, okay, well, just can you prove that out for me? And I'm not saying that everything in life has to be proven out by science, mm-hmm. but I mean, in the world that I live in and the types of people that I work with, they would snicker at me if I came at them with that kind of language. Mm-hmm. So A, it's an easy way out. B, it's hard to prove that it's wrong. So it's it's a fantastic way of creating insecurity in people because, oh, well, then I just didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, oh, you mean I got to say them and feel it at the same time? Okay, good. So I go and I say the words and then I feel the words and I feel what it's like to be happy and inspired or whatever that is. And then I don't get any results. And then it's like, well, no, it's because you didn't use the right pictures in your head too. Because don't forget, I mean, 70% of the human brain is a visual cortex. So you have to use the right visuals in your mind when you're thinking and feeling the same. Like it's, I mean, here's, here's the reality. Human beings are lazy. And so they're constantly looking for the path of least resistance and thinking about something instead of doing it is the path of least resistance. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Okay, so that takes us into the idea of goals and, and timelines and, and how you I mean how do you actually make your goals a reality? Because I think that's the bigger question. Sure. That probably that, that was the big question I was left with and what prompted me to reach out to you because I felt like, okay, clearly you have a lot to say about this um, since you've actually helped people to do it. Uh, yeah. And so I, I'm very curious, you know, what it, you know, what are we doing wrong there? I mean, some of it we just touched on, but more yeah. importantly, what do we need to do that's different and what's right? And okay. what misperceptions um, have we been basically sold by the entire sort of world of self-help? Well, I mean, to start with the, the, the great philosophy that smart goals is the right way to go out. Smart goals is a way of writing something. It's, it's, it's a perfect sentence structure. Mm -hmm. It's not an achievement system. Like I think what people need to be concerned about more than even like even writing goals is, okay, well, how do you go about achieving something? That's what's more important because do you want to be a goal setter or a goal achiever? And I mean, people can say, Oh Todd, that's just semantics. It's not really, it's not really because people are great at sitting back and you know at their desk and setting a goal when the environment around them is completely safe it's another thing to go onto the battlefield and execute the plan mm-hmm. because now your self concept your self esteem your confidence all those things are tied up in the execution because what happens when you go and you execute everything that you thought was going to be so smart is now being displayed on the field of battle yeah. and so people are so concerned about failure looking bad judgment and criticism that is really the crux of what is um that most people are battling against it's that it's not even that people are uh averse to goals there's not a person on the planet i've ever met that has said goals aren't important not one person no one has ever argued that point to me ever or i've even seen argue that point so people know it as being important but few people still have goals for themselves. So then what's the difference? Well, the difference is too many people are caught up in worrying about judgment and criticism and they're a special little flower and, you know, I'm a snowflake and, you know, people need to honor the fact that I'm a snowflake and I'm different. No, you're not. You're not. I mean, if there's, you know, something that I stand on the pulpit of all the time and I tell people, stop acting like you're a snowflake or you're a special flower. You're not. We're all pretty much the exact same. Mm-hmm. I like telling people that you're a speck of dust. You're, you're literally just – it's because that comes from Carl Sagan's great video, which you can watch online if you just Google pale blue dot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's one thing I pull out of pale blue dot and Carl Sagan's amazing teachings is that, you know what? We're 
we're operating in this massive ocean of everything, which makes me close to nothing. That doesn't mean that I don't think that what I do isn't important, but it strips away a hell of a lot of the worry and stress that other people would carry around for being perceived um, as possibly getting judged for what it is that they do. So, um, but getting back to the smart goals isn't an achievement system. So what people need to be doing is a unshackle your mind from even knowing how you can achieve the goal. Don't worry about that. The, The how starts to unfold by taking the few steps towards action. I could have never predicted all of the different, um, happy circumstances or inevitable little things that fell into my lap. I could have never predicted that. I could have never put that down on a piece of paper that that thing would happen because you can't predict those things. Mm -hmm. My only job is to kind of, okay, well, what, what's in front of me right now that I can take care of. So the other thing too is setting goals far beyond your next, I mean, 90 days. Mm -hmm. There's been multiple studies. One was done in Berkeley on any goal set beyond 90 days showed that it created high levels of procrastination and avoidant behavior. And there's a big difference between a vision and a goal. So you can, a long-term vision is something that's one year, three years, five years out. Anything that is, you're going to be going after, it needs to be within 90 days. And we're moving, we're living in a, uh, era that is the pace of change is so fast entire industries change in 90 days so why are you shooting at goals that you know might not even be relevant 90 days from now so constraining your timeline down to a 90-day period that's truly what a goal should be um operated within the context of and then from there it's okay. So, what do I need to happen? What's the last thing I need to happen before that goal is achieved? And we can just keep on pulling that thread. From and this is all. If these, and this is and this is with regards to goals mm-hmm. that you've never personally achieved before. Okay. Because if you've achieved a goal before, you kind of know the steps already. Yeah. That's a project to me. The difference between a goal and a project is a project is something that you almost have complete full control over because people get the two confused a goal so how this would be written would be or you know just planned out would be um i want to have just keep it something i want to have a website so for some people i think that's a goal no it's not that's a project yeah having a website produce monthly recurring revenue of ten thousand dollars per month that's a goal because now the project or the thing is accountable to a number or a percentage that's when something becomes a goal because now you don't have full 100% control over it. Right. That's kind of the hallmark of an outcome goal. Okay. One question about this, um, and I, I, you kind of set it up perfectly. So you said $10,000 a month recurring revenue from a website. I was going to ask you, it's like, okay, let's say the goal is a financial goal and yeah. um, it's something you've never achieved, but like you're not going to go from one to a million dollars in 90 days, you know, no. unless you win the fucking lottery, which is unlikely uh yeah. given the odds so but think think about that too sorry to interrupt you think yeah. about that too what is everyone getting caught up in they're getting caught up in thinking that the plateau is what matters because yeah. the one million dollars is simply a plateau because right. a million dollars to a lot of my clients means absolutely jack shit sure so to them that makes so it's just a plateau because once you get to a million you're probably going to want something different sure. now that's you falling in love with the outcomes all the time which is why you get to them and they're empty okay um so yeah 
instead, I love it when people's goal goal set to something that's you know achievable and in front of them. Right. All I want, all I want from people is for them to just keep on. If you and I were at the poker table, three like, and you had a big stack of poker chips in front of you, and I had just a little tiny stack in front of me, who's going to play bigger at the table? I'll play bigger for sure. Yeah, you will. And you know, are you going to feel more relaxed even if you do lose a few? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Me, I'm guarding, I'm protecting, I'm playing from a place of defensiveness, I'm completely overthinking my plays a lot of times, and 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 life is so similar to that. Most people have a very small stack of confidence chips in front of them, and they play small in life. And so I would much rather have someone just continuously can reach little goals little yeah. goals because all they're doing is they're stacking up more and more confidence chips which eventually over time causes them to play bigger in life and they won't even know how they got that way mm-hmm. i love that it makes me think of something um you may be familiar with uh, sean acor's work he wrote about this i think in one of his two books he was a happiness advantage or before happiness and he, he talked about a concept called success accelerants he said the closer that your brain thinks you are towards a goal the more likely it is to accelerate progress towards it and i've used this not just um in terms of big goals i use this in my daily writing process sometimes i'll i'll basically go and put a quote in the writing software the night before because i write a thousand words every day i'm like okay i've already got you know a hundred words there in a quote 900 to go. So I've already shortened the length from, you know, where I'm starting to a thousand. And amazingly it works every time. That's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. It's the same thing with, um, with coupons, like when retailers give out coupons, the worst thing you could do is like, if someone goes to a coffee shop and you get your, you know, 10 coffees and it's free, what not to do is punch the card once and hand it to them. Instead, you can even extend it to, um, it takes 12 cups of coffee to get, the free cup of coffee, mm-hmm. but punch, punch, give them the first two punches for free and then punch it the third time with their purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, for them, they'd be like, Oh, well, look at all the progress I've made. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. So that takes us, um, into, you know, we touched briefly on measurement, but I want to go back to it, uh, to talk about it in a bit more detail, yeah. um, and maybe look at it through the lens of a few concrete examples. So, I'll, let's do let's do you know one or two of them. Um, so one for me right now is I want to be able to increase the amount of time that I'm spending focused on writing, especially because I have another book to write. I want to push beyond whatever I'm doing each day. So that's a, a simple one that comes down to focus and attention. So I'm curious what you have to say about that. Uh, let's look at sort of a fitness goal or a weight loss goal. You know, let's say it's weight loss. Uh, in my case, I'm an avid surfer. Like, how would I become a better surfer or lose more weight? But maybe the weight loss is more applicable to people listening. So let's start with those two things and talk about the role that measurement would play in those and how we could incorporate measurement um, in, a, in a very practical and actionable way. So measurement with regards to writing more? Yeah. I mean, the word count is one place. But the other th- thing I was thinking is, okay, I could measure the amount of time that I'm putting in every day as well. Yeah. Um, it, it comes down to what's the ultimate outcome, though, of writing more? Well, I, I want to finish the second book, but I also want to be publishing articles on Medium on a weekly basis as well. Okay. But do you want to finish a second book or do you want do you want to just the book to be done or do you want it to be a book that is – impactful or prolific? I, I want it to be impactful. I don't want it to just be done. I can, I can do a 50,000 word book in 50 days. It'll just be shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, that's why I was going to say like, so it's like the measurement devices, we have to make sure 
are going to be delivering the performance we want in the end. That's why, you know, performance incentives in corporate world uh-huh. is a, you know, hotly argued thing because most organizations are measuring the very thing that ends up creating a polluted environment. Wow. Right? Um so, because let's say for a call center, it's, well, we need you to have 100 calls today. And so a person just fires through making 100 calls today, and none of them are quality calls. So what are you truly getting as a result of the measurement device? Yeah. You know, you're setting yourself up for failure. So it's making sure that we put measurement devices in place that are truly going to deliver on the outcome that we want. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of people, um, and I talk about this a lot of times with, with females. Females are fantastic at being task oriented and task orientation or process orientation is a big part of this, you know, um, model that I use inside of the night of the year. But if you're just process driven or task oriented and you're not rolling those things up to an ultimate outcome that you're trying to achieve, Mm -hmm. you'll feel like you're just, you know, it's groundhog day every single day for you. And that's, that's a very real experience for a lot of people. Conversely though, men are fantastic at setting like really big outcome goals, but never achieving them their ego gets in the way and they set these really big goals for themselves. And then they're also typically not very good at putting the legs underneath this, um, big heady idea, which is the legs are, is the process and the task driven. Just, that's just, those are generalizations, but mm-hmm. they're true. There's been some studies in the UK done on it, but, um, so, you know, that's, so it's important that we're making sure we're putting performance measurement devices in place that really ultimately get you that, you know, 50,000 word book that is going to make a big impact with mm-hmm. people. Um, and so, uh, a measurement device might be once you complete a chapter, if you have a, your sort of author board of advisors, which could be 10 trusted friends or 10 trusted business friends or whatever. And, and you just say, Hey, on a scale of one to 10, can you rate this chapter for me? And your, and your number that you're looking for is an eight each time. Okay. Wow. That, like that might be. A, a better measurement device than even than word how much time you're putting yeah. in. No, absolutely. That's that's because now that that shifts the lens on what needs to happen when you're writing. Uh huh. So, like that's why, like with questions like this, I want to make sure that I'm not just quick to give a response just right. like on the podcast, but we're kind of like thinking it through a little bit so that people can kind of see what real high performance looks like. It's making sure because a lot of people, you know, they start measuring things and they're really not the most important things to measure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what about, uh, let's look at the weight loss one as an example, especially since you work with athletes and people who are in sports. I mean, what's involved there and and where do people go wrong in that process? Um, Well, in weight loss, I mean, it's it's an 80% diet nutrition thing more than anything else. So I think that most people think that they've got to go sweat it out of themselves as opposed to just it's, it's literally the, the grip in your hand. What's, what's, what's in between the grip in your hand? Is it a burger and, um, you know, is it bread or like, what is it that's in your hand? That's more an important measurement device than anything else. So, uh, that, that's, that's a big one for diet nutrition is, I mean, it's, it's caloric intake. It's making sure they're putting in the right calories. uh, Of course, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a good measurement device. Um, and, think though just try to give someone something that's probably something different than what they've thought about um you know you know what is i was just thinking about it with regards to like when we when i start unpacking working with an athlete 
one of the first places that we go to um, with athletes that can really determine the quality of their performance is your sleep. So if you're not getting enough sleep, your, your, your cortisol and your stress hormones are typically operating at a high level a lot. And those can cause you to have high levels of um, bad fat uh, storage. And so sleep is probably one of the easiest places for, well, sleep in that the activity of sleep is quite easy. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, I get that, where do I find more sleep in my day? Um, maybe it's because, cause I mean, I know what it's like for some parents that are out there. I've got two little kids and they can disrupt sleep, but, um, you know, and if you can't sleep more then taking five minutes out of your day to meditate mm-hmm. and, and meditation, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld talks about how it's his secret weapon. 11 of the top 12 earners here in New York city, uh, in the finance world, all credit meditation as the reason why they don't get stressed out over the markets. Wow. Uh, so like that's that's a pretty good endorsement for the power of meditation, and it's the yeah first, I would say so. It's the first place that I will go to for an activity to uh-huh. enter into um, even my the, the the business professionals that I coach and advise. Um, getting them involved in meditation is a big part of that process of creating change because meditation is proven to flex the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is where we have focus and concentration skills. Most people talk about how they don't have focus and concentration skills. I think probably one of the big cliches that's out there today is that everyone thinks they've got ADD. Um, And like every single one of them, I'll ask them a series of questions, which proves that they've never tried to focus or practice their focusing skills. So now you have no baseline information whatsoever as to whether or not you've got ADD or not. Most of it's because they just lack concentration ability, mm. and meditation is a fantastic way of of flexing that frontal lobe muscle for ourselves, so that we can focus better. But um, so if you can't get enough sleep, even having five minutes twice a day of meditation proven to help people a give them more energy, but b um, relax them as well and reduce any sort of bad stress hormones that we might have going on inside of ourselves. Wow. So you know, I think that makes a perfect setup to one other question I want to ask you about this. And I, I'd like to hear it maybe through the lens of some of your clients' stories uh, yeah. is dealing with you know low points in our lives. Because one thing I have figured out through seven or eight years of this is that there were inevitable low points. They were going to be there no matter what. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, one of my friends said in our new agey self-help driven world, we really don't want to admit that we sugarcoat it all. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just really curious how you've coached people through navigating, uh, significant low points in their lives and what you would tell people who might be in one. <laughs> this is going to probably be sound really, um, even counterproductive to some people, sure. but literally when it comes out of their mouths to me that they are really struggling with something, I, I congratulate them. Like I tell them and I'm excited for them. And that's because I have, I have yet to see someone have a major breakthrough in their life that isn't currently or recently didn't go through a really rough patch. Yeah. And so I tell them and it's just, it's trying to shift the lens saying, man, I am so excited. Sri, like this, this is just a predictor of something that's going to be a real big breakthrough for you. 
and you needed to find this place in order for this thing to happen. And I have no fucking clue what it's going to be for you. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I can't predict that for you, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And we'll talk about that. Like what they think it could be, what they think the breakthrough breakthrough could be, or it's a sign of, um, uh, man, this is there, there's something that's going on right now. That's a don't want in your life. Because I run under, it's an easy place to start when it comes to, say, goal achievement or things that you want to change in your life. Don't think about what you want to do in your life. I think it's a terrible place to start for most people. The human brain is wired to think in negativity, like to avoid things. So why not leverage that for change? So it's what don't you want? What's going on right now that you don't want to be happening? Like, because you could, I bet you if I asked you, asked you that right now, you could rattle off 15 things in a second. But if I said, what do you want? You would struggle past three. Yeah. That's fair. So, I mean, with with clients, I literally because it's funny that you say this and ask this question because I literally had a, a call with one of my um, entrepreneur clients this morning, and um, it was it was that exact thing that you were talking about that he was really struggling with something, and um, it wasn't wasn't fun for him. But I was just man, this is exciting. And by the end of the call, he saw it that way, and it and it infused a you know, a different level of motivation in him. Wow. Because we, how many times have you been there personally? Yeah. Probably, probably quite a few. Yeah. I've been there a ton. Um, but here's a hallmark of those, pla- anytime I've been to those places, a hallmark of those points in time in my life, it has been because I have somehow isolated myself away from great people. Yeah. Like when I lost Jim as a mentor, that next eight months was probably like, eight of the worst productive months of my, or eight of the worst breakthrough months of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had another uh, great mentor. I've had many, but two in particular, uh, and Harvey Dorfman who wrote the Bible of the mental game, which is coaching the mental game. When he passed away about a year and a half after Jim, another point in time where I just sort of hit the skids a little bit because I didn't have that other person to, to bounce things off of. So for me, anytime I hit those kind of valleys in my life, it's because I'm, I'm not around people who are really challenging me. So it's just a litmus test uh, for me in some ways. And I think that when you start to become really self-aware, you, you won't and you know what really sort of primes your pump. Mm-hmm. You won't find those valleys as often. Yeah. I don't have those values as often anymore because for me, I get juice talking to people like you and talking to people who are, you know, challenging themselves to do great things. That's if I, if, if my day was nothing but doing this stuff, then I mean, for chalk that up to an awesome day. So I have, I have two final questions for you. Um, you you've been exposed to people who've, you know, amassed significant amounts of wealth and I've asked a lot of people this question and you yourself have done well. How has your perspective on money and wealth changed as a byproduct of this work? And, you know, what do you say to people who want to change that part of their life? Um, I never realized how much time and energy really, really wealthy people devote to managing the pennies. Like, they, they know where their dollars go. Um, and I am a natural spender. <laughs> so being around, cause I have like a financial mentor here in New York city who's, you know, worth over a billion dollars and, um, just, just being around 
him. Now he now he lives and breathes the finance world, so it's obvious he's going to spend more time thinking about money, though, because it's just the nature of the game that he plays. Yeah. But from a personal finances point point of view, like uh, the the way in which he he really does know where his his money goes and his family money goes is is inspiring to me. So that's one thing. The second thing is how little I think about money, though. Once you start to get it, like or the the emotion towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, like now it's just a bit of a, it's a metric that I use to see how much value I'm putting out in the marketplace yeah. or how much time I'm spending putting value on the marketplace. Cause I can have money coming in, um, and it can be good money. And I know I can toggle that number way up if I just spend more time putting that value out in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one big thing to get there though was I mean my my attitude towards money when I was in my early 20s was was terrible it's all I focused on was uh, how to get more money and instead of how to become more valuable to other people mm-hmm. how to how to position things in a way that are gonna cause them in or cause people in a marketplace to want them so again it's just increasing your communication value so that's I mean I'm just trying to constantly increase my my value bank account in the skills that I need in order for me to be successful Hmm. wow this has just been riveting I mean we could talk all day Uh, (laughs) so I have one last question for you which is how we finish all our interviews at the unmistakable creative what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable what do I think that makes someone unmistakable yeah It's a great question. I wish I'd actually spent some time thinking about it before. <laughs> um, what I think it takes for someone to be remembered as unmistakable. Um, a, I think, I think it's, I think it's presence. Someone, it's. I think it's so rare today to come across someone who is is truly with you when they're with you, and the person that I met who has just burned this into me was when I met uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss. Mm-hmm. When him and I were chatting, I he has this just force field that when you're talking, there's chaos around him, people trying to get his attention. And he is there with you, asking you clarifying questions and deeply involved in that conversation. So I think presence is someone that for me makes them completely unmistakable and unforgettable. Well, this has been uh, just amazing. Where can people learn more about you? They can simply go to toddherman.me, toddherman.me, and uh, all the links to all the social goodness is there too. Cool. Uh, Well, like I said, this has been just incredible, and I I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us and uh, talk about all of this with our listeners. You've given us another perspective to chew on, one that I was really glad that we got to get. Well, thanks for bringing me in front of your audience, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, and for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. 
The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.